This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we're closing on draft season. Our journey to the draft coverage continues today. We've got the NBA season finale wrapping up here, heading into playoff time as the planned tournaments are underway. It's one of the better times of the year, I'd say, as well, because we've got some very interesting sports action kicking up. And let's not forget, baseball is underway. Opening Overall opening days kicked in, and some, some teams are beginning their home openers just now. You know, I'm glad you start with that because I got a brand new Cleveland Guardians hat in today, and I got to say, I like it. I, I like the new logo. You know, you guys can barely see it. It's, it's navy blue with a red outline. Uh, but it works for me, right? Like, it's just like kind of my motif, dark, gloomy. Um, you know, it's actually going to be really fun. We're actually both going to be at Friday night's home opener for the brand new Cleveland Guardians against the Giants. And I, as a diehard Giants fan, I'll be wearing Giants gear and not Cleveland gear. So, sorry, Cleveland, don't come at me, but... No, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is like we. This is the perfect time of sports. We talk about it all the time. The draft season, baseball season's underway. Hockey season's getting to the playoffs. Soccer's underway. I mean, everything is happening. NBA's in the play-in games. Like this is so much fun. I feel and, like we say this every week, but it seems to hold true just about every week as yeah. well too. And you know what? You mentioned the doom and gloom colors. Uh, their offense for the Cleveland Guardians has not been doom and gloom these last couple of weeks. No. Now, as they went from scoreless through the first game and a half or so to leading the league in runs per game at the time of this recording. So. Definitely see if they bring some of the heat to that one. But plenty more to talk about on that. we got a whole lot of that coming up. We're going to start things off, though, with our favorite segment known as the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. All those wonderful smells you want without the harsh chemicals on your skin. Click the link in our bio. Get started with that today as well, too. Plenty of cool soap, soap ideas you can find there. And While one season begins, another one comes to an end as the NBA regular season has ended. We are in play-in tournament time as well, too. And Well, we'll start off by saying... Wow to the Timberwolves. Good on them. Getting back to the playoffs for the second time in 17 years or so. Led yeah. by Carl Anthony Towns, Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, and squads to knocking off the Clippers. So the Clippers fighting for the eighth seed now as well, too, as the Timberwolves secure the seventh seed. Fantastic job for them. The Nets securing their spot as well, too. And you know what? I think this is kind of that, the fun part of the year is right as those things are getting underway, we get to start doing a little bit of subjectivity with a little bit of objectivity. And that is the postseason awards. 
So for the NBA, we're going to do our postseason awards. We're going to talk about coach of the year, defense player of the year, rookie of the year, coach of the year, sixth man of the year, and, of course, that MVP award as well, too, which in basketball, I feel like it's almost the most prestigious of the MVP awards, it feels like, as well, too. It seems to have the most stank on it. Yeah, this has definitely got the most stank on it and definitely the most like competitive. Honestly, I got to say, though, this year, I, it's a two-man race, it feels like. And actually, most of the awards are actually pretty clear-cut this year compared to some of the last few years where we've had, like, you could go six deep in some of the award conversations in the last couple of years. But this year, I feel like I, maybe one maybe one or two awards you can go a couple deep. But, like, for the most part, they're pretty straightforward. I will say, I think the MVP you said is a two-horse race. I think I'd make it a three-horse race. But overall, ah. it was a, it was a, it was a, it was, there wasn't as seven deep as you mentioned as well, too. There's yeah. two to three clear contenders at the top. It, it comes down to, well, I, the reason why I say a two-horse race is because at the end of the day, one of those horses has the exhaustion factor to it, you know, that we always talk about with voters. Voters just being like, man, I just, I'm tired of seeing him on top of the awards. And granted, that, and in my opinion, if that's Giannis, in, in case anybody really wants to know, I feel like voters are just kind of like over it at this point in time, which sucks because Giannis is a fantastic young player and he's great. And, and he's going to continue to be great and continue to be fantastic, just like we dealt with LeBron for 18 years. This is going to be Giannis for the next 18 years, and then it's going to, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it as, as voters and, and accept the fact that he's going to be in the conversation like every year. He may be in sensational, not good enough. That's how fantastic he's been. It's a <laughs> sensational play, is just, it's another day at the office for him as well, too. It's expected almost at this point as well, too. But enough of, enough of the superlatives. We're going to go and get right into it. Which one, you know, you're, you're one of the co hosts here. Which one do you want to start with? Which one of these awards do you want to kick things off with? You know, let's. Let's go to the coaching staff first. I, this is one I think is interesting because there's a lot of ways you can go here. There's 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 the Eastern Conference where you've had a lot of new coaches kind of step up in a lot of ways. You have the Western Conference where I think one of the best coaches is kind of obvious, but he's dealt with a lot of injury this year, and still yet they're the number one seed. That's true as well, too. So, so I, I feel like this is – that's why I want to start. I want to start coach of the year personally. Okay, cool. So you want to go first? I think you kind of led us right into that one, or do you want me to break this off? You know what? I like your pick, and I, I really I love to hear your explanation on your pick. My pick's kind of boring, so I'll go first. So I'm gonna wait. Yours is gonna go second because it's a lot, a lot more. I like your pick a lot, and I just I want to I want you to give, get time to talk about it. So for my pick, my coach of the year, I kind of went the obvious one here, Monty Williams, but it's not as obvious as most people think. Yes, it's it's easy coaching guys like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but when you do it with injuries. All season long. I mean, Chris Paul misses the all-star stretch around three weeks there in the all-star stretch. And he's doing this with a bunch of guys that really, let's be honest, in the past probably don't get a shake on a lot of NBA rosters. And he's sitting here running it. I mean, he has uh, – there's there's award nominees on this team, and we'll talk about those guys later. But Monty Williams has done a fantastic job in just pure coaching. Cam Johnson looks fantastic this season. DeAndre Ayton, while it's not been that extra step, still looks good as a center. And he's looking a little more powerful down low, a little more dominant, and that comes from coaching, just giving him confidence to do that. Devin Booker is still Devin Booker. He is just as deadly as he always has been. And Chris Paul, he doesn't have to do it all anymore. He has, you know, he has guys coming in off the bench to help him out, and I think that's that's very a, a, a big deal to coaching right there. So that's why I'm going Monty Williams. I don't hate that one. I mean, the, what's interesting when you look at it, is it might be the quietest 65-66 win team <laughs> yeah. I've ever heard of. Like, everyone just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're number one seed. But they're not talking about how close they are to like being one of those historic teams. I mean, there's only a handful of 60-plus win teams in the NBA history as well, too. So that's absolutely fantastic feat with the injuries you mentioned as well, too. Devin Booker's 
Honestly, I'd say this is his best season that he's played so far as well, too, in my, my opinion as well, too. And somehow quietest. Somehow his quietest season at the same time. Exactly. And everything you mentioned with him as well, too, I think that's a pretty safe pick as well. And they're, what, eight, nine games ahead of the second seed. Like, they are almost yeah. in it. They are almost an eighth of the season ahead of the second seed, how they have separated themselves compared to the East, which is one through eight is separated by less than eight games. Like, that's how close yeah. it is in the East. <laughs> Where the West, they ran away from everybody. So, I really like you can't go wrong with Monty Williams when you're the best team in the league by far, nonetheless, as well, too. And, you have, and you've done it, as you mentioned, with various injuries and concerns here and there as well, too. And they've done really, really well against the best teams. I don't have the exact number, but it feels like every time they're in a big head-to-head matchup, them and the Warriors early in the season when they're both, like, undefeated or something like that, them and the Grizzlies, every time they face one of those teams, they seem to come out on top. So you, can't yeah. go, you really can't go wrong with Monty Williams. Yeah, and it, you know, it won't surprise me to see if the, the Suns can make a deep run. But DJ, I really want to. I, I can't wait for your pick because I, I, I'm a big fan of this this coach and as 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 just a, you know observer. So I, I really want to hear your explanation for this one. So uh, go ahead with your pick. So the weird part about this is this is for Coach of the Year, but I'm literally cutting it off starting at the start of 2022. I'm not including the 2021 part of the season. I'm going with Ime Udoka, the head coach of the Boston Celtics. They were terrible in 2021, like that, the first part of the season before the literal change of the calendar. They were 16 and 15, something along those lines. Like they were treading water. They were not good. They were, they were one of the teams we talked about in the podcast. I'm sure we we're like, they're kind of disappointing, honestly. When you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, like you have a squad in the Eastern Conference that's been together. You have a future all star start, perennial all star starter in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who could regularly make an all star team. Like you have, fantastic wing defenders your ability to switch robert williams when he's healthy and they were terrible since the start of literally the calendar switch though they have the best record in the east they're like 35 and 12 35 and 11 they are the number one defensive team during that stretch and the number two offensive team and on top of that when you look at their point differential i think it was 12 points if i'm not mistaken it was it was right up there with like the 2017 warriors and then the one of those jordan's bowl teams they were they weren't they were in that category how they have been beating people their biggest knock was they had a chance to secure the number one seed a few games ago against Miami. They were like half a game and a half back, and they they dropped that one. So Miami was able to secure the first seed off of that. But they're fantastic. They secured the second seed even over the Bucks as well too. Jason Tatum's been going strong. He's not known as a defender. He's known as an isolation bucket guy, but he's been playing some pretty darn good defense during this stretch. Jalen Brown, he's known as a defender and, a, and an athletic high flyer. He's been an efficient offensive player during this stretch. He seems to have recovered from the COVID bout that he was talking about, how he's still like, he played one game really well, then the next game he would just be, he'd be gassed, basically. He'd say, like, the COVID after effects. He seems to have recovered really well from that. Marcus Smart's a legit defensive player of the year candidate. Robert Williams, if he's healthy, you could put him in that most improved, like, you could put him, you could plug him just about anywhere. He's, he's a PR darling, basically. Yeah. And just the way they run through their offense, the fact that they were within a game of the number one seed after starting miserably. It's been a fantastic coaching job as well, too. So, Ime Udoko, I think it, Udoka has been absolutely sensational. And, of course, you can make a case for other guys like Nick Nurse, et cetera. There's others. But considering how far they climbed during this back half of the season when it mattered and watching how they have done it, too. They have they have been blowing teams out when they win. They don't just win comfortably. They win with some extra seasoning on it as well, too. So, I love what he's yeah. done down the back half, and I think he's done a good job to earn it. Not, not saying, like, Monty Williams or any of those other guys don't deserve but I'm like, not very many of those guys that did kind of climb out of the hole that, granted, they dug themselves a little early on, but new coach, new system. They switched yeah. from Brad Stevens, who just kind of disappeared into the front office. You take over a team like this that's kind of built for isolation, and they turn it, they find a way to make it work. And the way they've locked down on defense has been at that defense is oftentimes effort and coaching. 
And I think yeah. that's what that's where Emei Udoka really stands out for me. So you know what? Give give me Emei Udoka, second seed in the East. Why not? And I think they had their hands filled with the Nets here in the first round, but this is a regular season award, and if we're specifically talking 2022, uh, he's hands down with it for me. Yeah, no. I first of all, let me just go ahead and say I love Udoka. I thought he should have got the Nets job to begin with when Steve Nash got it, and then he, he didn't get it, and the Kings job opened up, and I was like, please, Kings, do something smart for once. And then the Lakers job even opened up with Frank before Frank Vogel took over, and I was like, can he take the Lakers over? And everybody didn't want to take him because he's too young. And then when Brad Stevens stepped in the front office, the the Celtics are like, we're going to be smart and hire this man. And you saw it, this, like you said, 2022 hit, and it was like, boom, there goes that switch, and this team is just on it right now. And you talk about Robert Williams. We talked about this in the playoffs last year. Give this man some time and some playing time. This guy is going to be absolutely dominant defensively, and he has proven to be so. Unfortunately, down with that injury now, so he won't even be in the playoffs against the Nets, which is going to – that's a whole different story in and of itself. But, you know, you could give that guy another season. He's potentially in the defensive play of the year conversation. You talk about Marcus Smart. Obviously, defensive wonder kid he is. A um, little, little dramatic, but defensive wonder kid. Uh, and, and he's able – Ime Doka was able to coach these guys and get the best out of them. Grant, you know, there's just a lot of players that, that, I, I, that shouldn't be – on a team that's in a number two seed, and yet here they are. So. Absolutely as well too. They took they took the long road there, but they got there. And well, I'm really curious to see what they have in store for the net suit. They don't play a lick of defense themselves, but they might. They have they can get buckets with just about anybody, especially if Kyrie and Kevin are on fire. So that's a fun series I look forward to watching. But moving up the award chain next, I think or what are we looking at? Are we probably looking at six man next. Yeah, let's go ahead and knock the six man out of here. I feel like this is a very straightforward one, so we won't take much time on it. Uh, for me, I got Tyler Hero. Um, DJ, I'm going to go ahead and spoil yours right here to, as well. You also have Tyler Hero. I, I, if anybody is wondering, I did switch the bottom line. The problem is it didn't change anything. No, um, he's a walking bucket with yeah. 20 points a game. It doesn't get much better than that, really. I mean, it's him, then there's a little gap, and then you could put in guys like Kevin Love, et cetera, like that, who are really, really yeah. good. But Tyler Hero, he, he should have been the only all-star from the Heat, honestly, this year. Yeah, I mean, really, it was, it's it's been a fantastic year for Hero. Finding his role as that sixth man, which is not what I expected him to find his role at, but uh, good for him that he found his role. He's, he's succeeding here, and part of the why the, the Heat are the number one seed right now. So um, got to give him credit there. So moving up again, we'll go ahead and we'll go one step further up the chain. Uh, and we're kinda, I'm going to go kind of back to one that I mentioned when we did Coach of the Year, and we mentioned it for both teams. That's Defensive Player of the Year. So, DJ, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Who is your defensive player of the year? You know, this is a tough one. Obviously, you can go with Rudy Gobert every single year when you go into advanced metrics, all that sort of thing. I went in a different direction. I went with the Iron Man himself, Mikel Bridges for the for the Suns. He's been absolutely sensational on the wings, switching, rotating. He's you talk about all the injuries they've had to go with. He's the one guy that they have not had to worry about. He has not missed a game since even starting college. All of his games at Villanova, all the games in the in his four year NBA career, he's played every single one of them. He's been fantastic on the perimeter, steals, blocks, staying in front of guys, switching. He's been absolutely incredible as well, too. I don't have a whole bunch of advanced stat metrics for you to lay out. Like, I don't have a full chart for you. But I can tell you, when I watch him play, I'm like, that. that's the best defensive player. That's the defensive player of the year right now as well. Too. It's kind of like last year when we watched Ben Simmons. He didn't have as many stats to inflate it. But when I watched him, I was like, that's my guy for this year. And that's how I feel about Mikel Bridges this year as well. He, that He's a big reason why they won so many games despite the various injuries throughout the season. He is a huge reason for that. And you can make a case for most improved player for him as well, too. The problem is he was also really good the previous year. So 
I think Mikael Bridges for me is defensive player of the year. I'm going to be a broken record, and I'm just going to go ahead and, by the way, I'm changing the bottom line again hmm. uh, and saying Mikael Bridges as well. And again, you're exactly right. Part of being defensive player of the year is being out there for your team, um, and that's that's what gives him the nod over a lot of these guys. He hasn't missed a game, and he plays the same way day, day in and day out, and I think that's that's why I look at him, and I'm like, yeah, that gives you the nod over somebody like Marcus Smart, who does miss a chunk of time pretty much every season with injuries. And and honestly, it was closer than I thought it would be. Marcus Smart was a very close nod. I can't get over the dramatization that Marcus Smart gets. It's kind of like the Jalen Ramsey effect for mm-hmm. me. Um, so that's why I didn't pick him, but... Michael Bridges is there uh, for me, and and I, I I'm a big Bridges fan. I've been a big Bridges fan since he walked in the league. Uh, I think he's a great player, and, and he can continue to improve his game. Um, it's kind of very interesting because he goes defensive to offensive. Like as he does defense well, he does offense well. Absolutely, as well. So he's been absolutely sensational. So we're in agreement on there. Do we, are we going to go three for three on broken records? I mean, I, uh, I, I think we I think unfortunately we might might be going that way. All right. So we'll head on over to rookie of the year, and this one's oddly competitive, but at the same time, I think we both have our eyes set on the same guy. I'm going to go ahead and just go first and spoil it. I'm looking at Evan Mobley, the forward for the Cavaliers. When he's healthy, they were a top four or five seed. Him and Jared Allen got hurt. They fell apart. Mobley. 15 and 8, if I'm not mistaken. Very efficient defensively. He's been absolutely fantastic. He honestly reminds me of young Anthony Davis a lot. He is, yeah. as soon as he stepped in that lineup, you could, even Kevin Love's like, nope, I'm six man now. That is your spot, Evan Mobley. I will full, like, he's been absolutely sensational. You can just go down the charts, just watch him play for like five minutes. And like, yep, that guy's going to be a future all perennial all star. Him and Darius Garland and Jared Allen, that's a trio for years to come that's going to be in the playoff hunt. Heck, even. They're in the play-in game right now, but look out for them next year as well, too, Once if they can stay healthy. That's a dangerous squad led yeah. by the emerging star out of USC. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's me changing the bottom line right there to the to the, to Evan Mobley. And again, this one goes for a whole season long. Uh, Scotty Barnes made a valiant effort there at the end of the season, but it is a full season award. And this is one where Evan Mobley, to me, has been hands down since day one, in his games, he has been that dude. And and we'll even go into the All-Star game, and in the All-Star Skills Challenge, he won the Cavs the Skills Challenge, the the actual Taco Bell Skills Challenge, with his three with his uh, shot from half court. And on top of that, he had one of the best performances in the shooting part of the, that Taco Bell Skills Challenge is out there as well. Kid's a, kid's a stud, absolute monster, and he's still growing into his body. And that is a terrifying thought. Yeah, he is still going to get stronger. As he gets forward. But yeah, Evan Mobley, hands down rookie of the year, without a doubt for me. Absolutely. Next, we're going to head on over to the MVP award. This is where there's a little bit of differentiation. There's a two to three man race. You mentioned Giannis as well, too. Might catch a little bit of voter fatigue as well, too. But we'll go ahead and get a good jump in MVP as well, too. And what, how are you feeling about MVP? I think, I think I have an idea of where you're going with this. Yeah. So last year, this was the same battle as last year in, in, in a lot of my eyes. Is it Jokic? Is it Embiid? Who's going to take it home? Last year, I went with Jokic. I was right. Go figure. This year, I can't deny what Joel Embiid's doing anymore. There is no denial in the fact that this man is my MVP choice. Just kidding. No, it's Nikola Jokic. I'm going again. Back-to-back MVPs for Nikola Jokic. The Joker, he's been doing it with every everybody injured. Jamal Murray uh, with everybody else. Just not healthy. Michael Porter Jr. has not been the consistent player that he's needed to. Uh, Campazzo has been hit or miss. So, give me Nikola Jokic just continuing to do what he's been doing for the last two seasons. And, I mean, really, I'd say even three seasons that you can you can say he's been in this MVP race. And give him back-to-back at this, which is, 
I hate to say this. I, I hate seeing back-to-back awards, but at the same time, I can't deny what Nikola Jokic's been doing. It is odd because we talked about how basketball, the MVP award, has a little bit of extra of extra feel to it in some respects. But at the same time, it does have a lot of repeat winners as well, too, on top of you. Look at, like, Steph, LeBron, Giannis. Like, it's it's not out of the ordinary to win back-to-backs as well, too. So that is very interesting that you mentioned that as well, too. Well, you kind of alluded to it. I'm going the other direction. I am going with Joel Embiid. And that is in no way, that is not voter fatigue off of Jokic. That has nothing with Jokic. You mentioned that he's been doing it with everybody injured. For Joel, they basically, who they've been broken the all season as well, too. You had the Ben Simmons saga for 90% of the season. You get James Harden, and unfortunately, you got overweight James Harden, whose only ability to get buckets this year has been free throws. He has let fewer 40 point games this year than Malik Monk. That's oh, all you gosh. need. And Malik Monk has one. So that's all. It, I know James Harden is the name, and I know he has the uh, the skill set, but he has not been on display this year, and has not really been on display with the Sixers. So I don't want to hear. Oh, he has a form. He has a former MVP. That's he's not playing like a former MVP right now. It's the same as every. They're playing with very similar set of players around him. If that makes sense, like pretty good players, but you're the name value is not the name value is not equating to the results. So I, I'm kind of using that in the way that they are playing with the same. Joel Aver- led the league in scoring. He is the leading. He is the scoring champion with over 30 points a game to go along with 12 rebounds and a blo- one and a half blocks, which is just outside the top 10. He's 12 rebounds. He's the first center to lead the league to score 30 plus since I think Moses in the 80s or something like that to average yeah. 30. Like he's been absolutely incredible. Jokic has been absolutely incredible. You can't wrong either one of them. I think Joel Embiid's Jokic is kind of I'm trying to think of how to word it without it sound like a slight to Jokic because there's this has it's, it's one a one it's one a one b at this point in time. I think Joel's really season is. was a little more has a little more historic factor when you look at it as well too. Like he he's literally could he drug that team on his back all the way to this point as well too in the East and they're the fourth seed I believe as well too. Like they're right yeah. up there as well too. The Nuggets obviously everyone's injured. The West is more competitive sitting at the sixth seed, so they almost line up directly equal. My splitting factor was the fact that Joella did something that has not really been done since 1980 from a center as well, too, on top of it. And I think I still give him that Jokic plays defense, but Joella is actually a force on defense when you look at yeah. it as well, too. Like, people, he had, he protects the rim where Jokic can interfere with shots and get some blocks here and there, but Joel Embiid is an enforcer on top of it. So give me Joel Embiid and no negative shot to Jokic whatsoever. If Jokic gets it, you're not going to hear me be like, Joel was robbed. This is terrible, blah, blah, blah. They're both absolutely sensational. I'm just looking at Joel Embiid, and I think that little bit of extra historic factor puts him over the edge for me. Oh, absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, I, I was joking when I got spun up there in the, in the beginning, but it's, it's truth. I, I honestly could go Joel Embiid just as fast as I could go Nikola Jokic. Um, and that's the thing is is this season is you can't – there's no denying what either one has done because they've been so impactful in their own ways. It's just so hard sometimes to pick between centers because nothing really differentiates a lot of centers' game, a lot of centers' games. Because what Jokic is so impactful on, Joel Embiid doesn't do well, which is the passing side of things. But what Joel Embiid's so impactful on, Jokic doesn't do well, which is the defensive side of things. And it's just like you, you take those apart. Their offensive games are so similar as far as their abilities go that you come down to passing versus defense. Which do you prefer more? And and I think your passing ability is why I lean it. Just I, I love watching a beautiful pass from a center. It's always fascinating to me. Whereas Joel Embiid, granted, he's had one of his best passing seasons of, of his career. His defense, I still love defense. I just I, I it's just it's it's literally cutting hairs at this point in time. And I haven't gotten a haircut in a while, so I went with what I went last year. I say like, Jokic is averaging less than a block a game and about one and a half steals. Embiid's at about one and a half blocks and a little over a steal as well too. 
rebounding Jokic is a little bit higher. Field goal percentage Jokic is higher with fewer shots as well too. Yeah. Three point percentage it's... is slightly in Embiid's favor. Free throw percentage is about the same. Like you, everything like you said, you split it down. There's PR efficiency. All those advanced metrics going to lean towards Jokic. What my eyes tell me when I see it, I'm like, damn, Joel Embiid just. Just damn. That's all I. That's it, really all I got to say. I, if yeah, and it's it's away, fascinating. It's 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 a fascinating conversation between these two, and and it's going to continue their entire career. I feel like these two, along with Giannis, we're going to be dealing with these three conversationalists for for MVP. And honestly, I'd say Joel Embiid and, and Giannis, even for Defensive Player of the Year, at some point in time, we're going to have that conversation again about both of them. And you know, Jokic is is always going to be there in the MVP conversation just because of who he is and his ability. It's hard to guard a seven-foot guy who can do all the things with the ball that they can. It's crazy. And so, like, Jokic sometimes looks like a supersized Steve Nash almost with the way he moves the ball and runs the offense. And Joel Embiid sometimes almost looks like a supersized Kobe with the way he goes isolation on people from, like, the elbow extended. He's just like, he'll go post-ups up and unders. Like, that. it's so weird how they are yeah. able to emulate smaller players' games. I'll go ahead and round it out with this as well, too, just point out. If there is a somehow a way where everyone can kind of get healthy and right, and we can somehow get a Nuggets Sixers finals, my lord, would that be glorious just to see the big men going at it with the with the trophy on the line. I would love it, and I think we see two 40-point games in the same game at least once. I think we might see it two to three times, honestly, in that series. They would toast each other. Unfortunately, it, almost 99% sure it will not happen. I will definitely bet, yeah. the, I will bet whatever the odds are, I will take that probably not going to happen. Yeah, whatever long odds they would to tap, and I'm not that much of a betting man. Not That's for all, sure. But- that will do it for the tip-off as well to a bit of a longer one as we had a lot to talk about in that one, even though we had a lot of similarities. That will take us to the main event. The main event brought to you, of course, by Color Cap Deep. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com. Dot com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Premier audio sports app as well, too. Go ahead and jump on there. Give it a listen. Call a game. Whatever you want to do, they got a little something for you. The journey to the draft continues, Kelsey. And you know what? We're going to head up north now as well, too. We're going to talk about the kings of the north. So, you know what? Let's, let's take a look at it. Where, where do you want to start? We want to go NFC or AFC first? Oh God, this is so tough. Um, you know what? Let's go. Who? Let's go with the Super Bowl runner-ups first. Let's let's go where, where that team lies. Let's go. Let's go with the AFC North, um, a team where there's a lot of change that's happened this offseason, and there's still some draft options out there. So I feel like if we start there, I think that's a safe option. Um, let's start with Cleveland themselves. All right, so we'll start with the Browns, who uh, they had quite themselves the offseason so far. Their biggest loss, maybe Jarvis Landry. We'll see if he comes back as well too. Biggest addition, clearly Deshaun Watson, like biggest guaranteed contract. We had a full episode where we talked about this, so we don't. You can yeah. go back and listen to that if you want to. But as they head into the draft, they haven't done a whole lot else in free agency. Still trying to make some moves, brought in Amari Cooper, all that. You don't pick in the first round for obvious reasons. Your first pick is at number forty-four. 
Kelsey, what are you looking at for the Browns to take at 44 if they don't move around? So first of all, you need to replace your center. Um, that's a big, uh, a big loss. You, you just don't just watch him walk um, and then not replace him. Uh, that's the biggest op- uh, biggest thing for me. And and I, you know, I could throw out names, but I don't know if Linderbaum falls that far. You might have to trade up and try to try to figure out a way to get him. He's your biggest need, um, or center is your biggest need, only because there are still options to get on the edge uh, in in free agency. I look at maybe re-signing Jadavian Clowney being the option there. And at those like I, those are where I, I look at. You either get an edge to go opposite Miles Garrett, or you get a center. Uh, that's your two options. Granted, edge rusher is so deep this year in this class, you could get a very fine edge rusher there. It might even be the guy that's up a, a darling on a lot of boards that's moved up, Jermaine Johnson, um, or it could be somebody like Quay Walker who falls like not Trevon, but Quay, who's there uh, that you can slide to an edge as well, who's technically a linebacker, but he can play that edge role. Arnold Ibakite. There's a lot of guys that fall right here in this 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 category that could be an edge rusher. Um, I worry a little bit more about the linemen though because there aren't as deep interior linemen this season in the draft as there are like tackles. Like tackles is a huge 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 bonus place in this draft, but like interior offensive line. If he if Linderbaum falls here somehow, if again somehow if he falls here, yeah, like. By uh, Anthony Schwartz, run this all the way there. Thank you. Um, get some use out of your third third round draft pick last season, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I don't man, I don't know for the, for the Browns. This is it, you're not far away, and this is the thing I keep coming back to is you're not far away as the Browns. You were far away last year. Your offense and injuries really just didn't help you. This season, you're definitely not far away with the additions you've made. It's just a matter of picking a center and picking an edge to to, to work with your team. I will say if there is a guy like Jarrett Patterson out of Notre Dame could be a good spot there at 44 to fill that center role as well, too, if you don't bring in a veteran. I also look at the receiver depth. I think you bring in the quarterback, you give him all that money, you were gonna, you want, you got in Amari Cooper, so you got your ace in the hole. I think you need some complementary weapons as well, too, besides Donovan Peoples-Jones. So, And with how deep this receiver class here is at 44, you might even be able to pull somebody, maybe like a David Pitt, David Bell out of Purdue, something like that yeah. as well, too. Maybe like Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky, a gadget, not a gadget type player, but a guy. No, I mean, really, yeah, he's a gadget player at this point. He played played quarterback, running back, and receiver in the same game. Like, you could use him in a lot of different ways, open up the offense as well, too. So, I don't, I think getting a playmaker, I agree with you, a center. I think edge, you can work around as well, too. Your secondary is getting pretty, pretty healthy as well, too. I think you have a young, good secondary. So, I'll go center, receiver, edge. And I like, it depends if Jared Patterson's there or Tyler Lindemob somehow. I I think both of them. But depending on the receivers, who slips to, I think you got some good options. So plenty of options for the Browns at 44 I, I, 78. I do have a question for you, though. The rumors about Jarvis and, and Odell. Do you think they come true and they reunite yet again in Cleveland with Deshaun at their quarterback? That'd be great. And then in that case, you go offensive line or edge. I like guarantee your receiver thing is cleared because you probably won't get Odell early. You'll have to wait probably, what'd you say, like the first five weeks of the season or so to get him back as well, too. So yeah. something along those lines, just with how ACL recoveries are a lot faster now, but that's that changes the game. Obviously, if you can get both of them in receiver to go along with Donovan Peoples Jones and Amari Cooper and squad, so that changes the game a little bit. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out. But as of right now, I think with how deep this receiver class is and the quality of player you can get at forty four, you can get a top thirty caliber player at forty four, depending on with how many of them are good receivers. So we'll see how that one falls. But plenty of options for the Browns moving forward as well too with their new quarterback at the helm. Moving on down the line now as well too. Where where are we going next? Let's head over uh, 
to the, well, uh, maybe the previous organization, a previous Colts organization, if you will, those Baltimore Ravens. All right, and taking a look at them, biggest loss, not a whole lot of major losses. I know key players really disappeared for him this year. Biggest addition, the best safety on the market, Marcus Williams, vastly underrated from his time with the Saints. He is absolutely sensational. He's going to sure up that secondary as well, too. Even more so when Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters get back healthy. They have a good round of good host of picks. They have all their picks and some extra ones, starting at pick number 14 after all the injuries. Kelsey, we're going to start with you. What do you want? What are you looking for the Ravens at pick number 14? This is the quintessential Ravens pick. Best available player because you don't have a whole lot of holes to fill. You've done a great job in free agency if you're the Baltimore Ravens. Like, really, you have. Um, especially after last season, you lost a few pieces to different trades and things. This season, I, I really look at the best available, and this comes down to me. I love George Karloftis to the Baltimore Ravens. I still think he is a perfect scheme fit for the Ravens. Just an absolute monster off the edge. That if you really need him to, you can surprise a few teams and like drop him into a small flat zone and see if he works there. But really, for the for for most of it, you're gonna be using this guy as a as a rusher, whether it be pass rush, whether it be in the run game. He can do it both. He can do it all. He, a lot like Matthew Judon was for this team when he was there. You know, he comes off the edge and at the same time he's very effective in the run game. George Karloftis can do that, and he's big enough. You can slide him inside occasionally and use a faster quote-unquote NASCAR package with Ola on the outside along with Karloftis on the interior, and you get a whole lot of pass rush and a whole lot of pain coming at somebody, and that's just, to me, I, I love that pick option at, at, for the Baltimore. I think they could do a whole lot of things with Karloftis. And again, I don't understand why he's falling. This is one that I keep looking at. Great pro day. Normal, average combine. Nothing crazy. Jermaine Johnson did not have a crazy combine. He did not have a crazy pro day, but he's, he's shooting over Karloftis on a lot of boards. Trevon Walker had a fantastic combine. Mediocre pro day. And but yet he is, mediocre numbers, too, when you look yeah, at Yeah, and, and, me, and mediocre career, except for this last season when he had a, a packed interior defensive line with Devontae White and Jordan Davis. So... They're all climbing over George Karloftis here to get to that three and two spot on the edge line. And I'm like, Karloftis hasn't done anything. And he's done it all in his career. Been the most effective. He's been more effective than Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau as far as numbers go in his their career. He's done it for four years. And he's done it without help on the interior defensive line or an opposite edge rusher. Everybody plays Purdue and they're like, stop Karloftis. But they can't stop Karloftis. So it's like... Now you take him to the pros and you, you transition that. How is he falling on boards? I don't know. Anybody who picks him, first of all, I'm going to say this. Anybody who takes Karloftis, you have an all-pro for 10 years. Like, the dude's going to be a stud. Maybe not an all-pro. But you have a guy that can be in the all-pro conversation at least once in, in one time in 10 years, uh, at least. And I think Karloftis, he's going to be a gem wherever you get him. We're kind of on the same page as far as I think the trenches in general for the Ravens as well, too. Both offensive and defensive line. I'm concerned with Ronnie Stanley because he can't seem to stop getting injured. And you traded away Orlando Brown. So I'm curious what they do there. So depending on how you grade the offensive lineman, maybe if you really like Trevor Penning a lot and he's sitting there, that'd be great for your run-heavy offense. I look at the defensive side. I agree with you another rusher to go opposite Oa and with Calais Campbell climbing up there. You talk Jermaine Johnson, I think he fits them to a T as well, too, if he's available. Long, lengthy, athletic, just the ability to fly up the field. You got to deal with Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow, and they're, mo they're mo underratedly mobile selves. I say underrated for Joe Burrow. Deshaun, we all know what he can do. <laughs> Him and Oa, they're going to lock down those edges. Jermaine Johnson's a pretty good run defender as well. He's not going to fight through the offensive linemen, but he can – outside zones, he will get the edge. He's high on my board. I like him a lot as well too. He's 
there's a lot of traits there to go with a lot of production as well, too. I mean, 12 and a half sacks last year, he is fantastic. So I like Jermaine Johnson or Carl Office here, unless you are really high on a Trevor Penning or one of those offensive linemen to build up build up that front that front because the way you run the ball guys are going to get hurt it's like you run the ball way yeah. too much as well too so either one of those guys i kind of stand it just depends on who is available like you ravens do what you do best available player offensive yeah. line and <laughs> and defensive line they're deep 14 and 45 you can pick one offense one defense the other whatever you need to do so ravens are in a good spot so yeah and, and, and this is the thing both of their positions that they're they're needing an edge and tackle like you get a good combination between 14 and 45 that you're going to have some quality player there Absolutely as well, too. So where are we heading next now? I think I got an idea where you're going. I think we both have a similar idea for him. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's go ahead and get just get out of the way. Let's go to those Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so we're at the Steelers. Their biggest loss was Juju Smith-Schuster as well, too. Your biggest addition probably was Mitch Trubisky at the quarterback or on the spot. Now you're picking at 20, then you're picking at 52. So you're a little bit farther in the first round back, but I think there's a, I think we both have an idea who we, who we think they should go with there as well. So I'll let you go ahead and lead the way. Yeah, so this one, uh, I feel like uh, everybody wants them to pick, take quarterback. And as much as I would love to be like, no, don't take a quarterback, I think I think I love Mitch Trubisky. I think he could do a great opportunity. Uh, he could do a great thing here with with the Steelers. But I think I, I, I agree. I think you want to go quarterback here, and I think you have to trade up to get this quarterback. And that's going to be the tough thing. Is I want if you're going to get a quarterback for this team, you got to get Kenny Pickett or you got to get Malik Willis. Those are your two options for that fit this team um if you take desmond ritter that's not going to work if you take matt corral well you're not going to take matt corral he's going to be way off the board already you're not going to be able to yeah you're not going to be taking be able to take bailey zappy and have a good good time you're not going to be able to take carson strong and have a good time for the stillers it's you have to get malik willis and you have to or you have to get kenny pickett so you have to trade up to that 12 10 somewhere in that range maybe the giants or the jets you have to work a deal out with somehow i don't know who you trade and that's the big problem is who do you trade? What picks do you trade to get there? Um, I honestly could see where they package their first, second, and third all together to get one of those those picks to get them. But I think that's what you have to do if you're the Steelers here. You have to you have to move up and you have to get one of those quarterbacks. I I, I just you, there are more positions that need to be filled, namely offensive line. And I still personally believe that's the right way to go. But at this point in time, I can't ignore the smoke that is being given by not just Front office, coaching staff, players, fans, pundits, everybody that talks about the Steelers is talking about a quarterback. And I get it. You lost Big Ben. Let's not sleep on Mitch Trubisky, first of all. I think he's going to be fantastic if for, for however long he plays as a starting quarterback for the Steelers. I, will say I honestly you. think you just need an offensive lineman first. I will say if you go quarterback, I think you have to go Malik Willis. I think Kenny Pickett yeah. is ready to go right away, and that's a waste of having Mitch Trubisky there in the first place. I don't think sitting Kenny Pickett, I don't think it's going to change much. I think his he's going to be more ready to go right out of the gate, and how he progresses, that is the question. Like yeah. Kind of similar to what we talked about with Mac Jones last year as well, too. Like You knew Mac Jones, wherever you go, he's going to be ready to contribute right away. The question is how much can he climb and grow, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think the same with Kenny Pickett. Like Maybe his floor is Andy Dalton, his – if he maxes out potentially you get Derek Carr, who would be fantastic. Good Andy Dalton, by the way. Good Andy Dalton. Early career Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like there's a like there's not a huge uh there's not a huge upswing there. So I think if you do go for the quarterback, I think it's gotta be Malik Willis. You gotta swing for the fence, let him sit behind Mitch as well. Offensive we we're just gonna copy and paste. Offensive line's my biggest need here. If Malik slips to you, then you take him. If he slips to twenty, maybe you trade up to sixteen or something like that if he's really sliding for some reason. But I think offensive line's a huge need for you, especially on the interior to get Najee Harris going. 
Linderbaum would be fantastic here. Kenyon Green. That we're on the exact same page. Let's, let's just go yeah. move on to the Bengals. We're on the exact. Same page. <laughs> no, it's, it's just that, like it's just something that you can't ignore the fact that everybody keeps talking about a quarterback for this team, and it bothers me because I'm like, you still have Trubisky. He is he he just never been given an opportunity with an offensive line. So maybe give him an opportunity by getting offensive line. You have all the weapons on the outside. Might as well use them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, moving to the Super Bowl runner-up, those Cleveland, those Cincinnati Bengals. The pride of Ohio and Joe Burr himself. Uh, the Bengals, man, nothing lost, really. Nothing major lost in the offseason. And again, the biggest addition are all these offensive linemen they signed. They literally do what I do on Madden, which is just bring all the offensive linemen you can bring in, young, talented offensive linemen or some old heads, and you just like, all right, we're going to develop together, boys. Here we go. Just and, spot and just make it happen. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a fantastic job by the Bengals front office to get all these offensive linemen in there and, and to not really lose any major pieces at this point in time. And I think that's the big part. You do it all while not losing major pieces, and you still have a first-round pick. Absolutely. I mean, Lowe, Collins, Kappa, like they did a great job bringing them in. So looking at the draft pick, they're picking at 31, a very unusual spot for the Bengals. We pick it so far back as well, too. What do you want? Without to see a trade. Do? Without a trade want, involved. Exactly. What do you want to see them do with pick 31? Uh, this one I look defensively. Um, I'm looking at you either go corner. Uh, you can honestly fill that linebacker role next to Logan Wilson would be a great job, uh, a great position to fill in. Or you look at that defensive line and the trenches. And again, the trenches are a big, big thing on the defensive side. Yes, you have some pieces, but most of them are rentals for another season. You know, so you you don't have any really long term pieces in that defensive line anymore. And you've done a great job in your career in your history of drafting defensive linemen. The only problem is you only ever drafted one. Like, it's like Carl Lawson. All right, well, he's there. He's playing well. Okay, who are we getting next to Carl Lawson, guys? Uh, we don't have anybody. Now you have some pieces there. Let's get an actual boom edge rusher here at 31. Somebody that can go do some damage I think would be a great pick. But I look at either you're going corner, and, like, Kyrie Elam could be a great pick for the Bengals here, or you go that edge rusher and you get somebody impactful. That definitely works well, too. I don't hate the idea of even going offensive line here again and just continuing to load up on it as well, too. Just see what you – maybe somebody like a guard or a tackle kind of slips. I don't hate that idea as well, too. Yeah. I also – Bernard Raymond, maybe? It's not exactly. I also don't hate the idea of going with another interior defensive lineman as well, too. Like, you have DJ Reader as well, maybe just loading up and adding even more to it as well, too. So, maybe you – not even sure. Like if Devontae White. Devontae White. Yeah, he's, like Devontae White falls here. All the way down here, like that – I, there, I like the linebacker thing of Brian Osamoa, like a guy like that who could be versatile next to Logan Wilson. Like, I think, honestly, they just take whatever whatever the best available position for them is as well, too. Yeah. I, I think you have a lot of leeway there. I like offensive line because you put some money into these guys for a couple of years. Maybe you get an offensive lineman with a fifth-year option here to kind of help when you have to pay Joe Burr in a couple of years as well, too. So, <laughs> yeah. honestly, just take And Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Exactly. You could take the best available. You could take a receiver if you wanted at this point as well, too. I wouldn't recommend that, but you could at this point. Yeah. So, Bengals are sitting really pretty as well, too, for the first time in a while. So, that's yeah, what I Yeah, I, 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 I well, I do want to add one thing. For 63, look for them to possibly go and get uh, Lukita out of Penn State. That middle uh, – he's a middle linebacker, outside linebacker combo. He was the guy that just, I mean, again, I keep, I can't, there's a couple Penn State guys, Ibukite and, and Lukita that I just keep looking at. And I'm like, they're fascinating prospects because they played so many different positions. And again, I need somebody next to Logan Wilson. If you're going to run out in the dime and nickel packages all the time, you need somebody next to Logan Wilson to help him out. And if you're not going to fill it with like a sub linebacker, that's actually a safety or something, put, you need somebody fast and athletic and, and Lukita fits that exact role. So 
look for Lukita or somebody in 63 that's like a combo can rush, but mostly is just a really athletic linebacker to go next to Logan Wilson. That's where I'd like Brian Osamo as well, too. I think that'd be a yeah. whole lot of fun with those two played in that nickel situation. So that's going to do it for the AFC North. Now let's head on over to the NFC North, where an interesting set of pick layouts we have. We have some teams with a lot of picks, one with a little bit less as well, too. So this one, this will be a little bit of fun. So how do you want to kick this one off? I think we got to go with the number 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 two overall pick here and, and just, just peel the Band-Aid. All right, so we're going right to the Detroit Lions. Their biggest loss being Trey Flowers. The biggest addition, probably DJ Shark. We'd probably agree with as well, too. When he's healthy, he could be a big big play receiver. You got pick number two, pick 32, and 34. So realistically, almost three first-round picks, even though 32 and 34. 34 is a second-rounder at the top. 32 is the very back end. So point is, you got three really, really prime picks in the top 35. So we'll go with you first, Kelsey. What are you looking at for them in these positions? Kyle Hamilton at number two. I'm just going to keep hammering this home. Kyle Hamilton at number two. I, I like okay, and here's the reason: if you could move back this number two pick to the ten spot, Kyle Hamilton doesn't seem so egregious, right? Like he's like, oh, that's a perfect pick at ten. Like absolutely. What's stopping you from taking him at two then? Yeah, okay, it's a slight reach, but you're not going to take anything else that really is going to be impactful. You could take an offensive lineman, or you could take Kyle Hamilton, who's a once in a generation safety. And who's going to peel that back end of you and cover the back end for your defense, which has had so many problems the last few years. And in a conference that you have to deal with a lot of receivers and a guy that loves to throw deep in all every play in Aaron Rodgers. And you get a guy that can that can, can be effective. Yes, his 40 was not great. But safeties aren't judged by their 40. They're judged by their play on the field. His ability to read, his ability to react. He is a film junkie. And I think... When you look at this, Kyle Hamilton at number two fits everything I could hope for for the Lions. And if you don't take him, take Iki Ikonwu. Those are your two options at number two. And at 32, whatever you didn't take it to, you take it 32 and you take it 34. So one's going to be an offensive lineman. The next one, I'd actually honestly say defensive line at 34. And those are your next two fill-ins because you have a lot of holes still you need to fill in. But for me, I look at that number two pick and I'm like, right, you need to be impactful with this number two. Yes, you could go offensive line, but you already have some good pieces at offensive line, and you have a huge hole on defense, and that's why I go I go Kyle Hamilton. Weirdly enough, for a bad team, they do have a pretty decent offensive line with Frank Ragnall, Panay Sewell. Like, they got pieces there. So yeah. I agree with you. A tackle here wouldn't help you. Like, as great as a Kong was, it wouldn't make sense. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Number two is either Sauce Gardner or Aiden Hutchinson. You either get a guy to guard Justin Jefferson, and then you have Jeff Okuda and Amani Orwarie as the other corners, or you get Aiden Hutchinson or... Kayvon Thibodeau, like an edge rusher, basically. I'm going Aiden Hutchinson because I think Detroit kid, Michigan kid, it makes sense. I think we'll That's see fair. either him or Kayvon Thibodeau, one of those two at this spot, and have him go chase down Aaron Rodgers at this point. Because you you could not get after the quarterback last year to save your, save your you know what, minus like one game against the Cardinals. You kind of gave Kyler Murray a little bit of difficulty, if even yeah. that. So you got to go get the quarterback somehow. So that's what I'm doing at pick number two is either sauce to deal with to the Justin Jeffersons or you go get the pass rusher. 32. I like the idea of going with a receiver here because you need you need more playmakers. DJ Shark is nice. You, Amon Ross St. Brown had some moments last year. I think you need a little bit more. Thirty. The class is so deep receivers. You might even get Traylon Burks or something like that here as well too, depending on if he slips. Like there's going to be some players here as well too. Thirty-four. This is where I think you can kind of go back into the defensive side as well too. Let's say you took Aiden Hutchinson early. Maybe you take a Roger McCreary or an Elam or something like that as well too. Maybe Leo Chanel at linebacker just to make things versatile. So that's where I'm looking at. 
two of them on defense, one of them on offense, give yourself a playmaker. But number two, it's got to be one of those guys that can make a make a big impact defensively as well, too. So we're on the same page there. You got you got plenty of holes to fill. Just take the best of av- best available player, honestly. And I think I think you'll find a way to work it out. Maybe you really like a quarterback, and you take a quarterback in two and shake things up. But you better you better love that quarterback if you do. You better love them yeah. and maybe try and trade Jared Goff and get something for him. I, I don't I don't think you can go quarterback. Like if you go quarterback, it's got to be that thirty two or thirty four pick for me. And in that case, you're taking Desmond Ritter, which is a safe pick. But you're honestly going net neutral to what Jared Goff can provide you right now. So it's not really that. I don't know. I don't think I don't think a quarterback is a good fit here for the Lions. Maybe 97, maybe 66. You go down there and you get a kid out of Brown, or maybe you get Carson Strong, or maybe you get Bailey Zappi. Like one of those those guys in that 66, 97 range. You hope that's fine. With a gold or something like that, you hope that. Yeah, nothing in the rough. Nothing crazy though. Don't your first three picks have got to be home run, like not home runs, but they have to be basically as safe as possible. Like your number two pick has to be a boom pick. Like this has to be a transformative pick for your, your organization. Your first number thirty two, thirty four is safe. Those first three exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, absolutely. So the lines don't mess this up. All right, so moving on <laughs> to our next pick, who do we want to go with next? Let's go. Let's let's go to those dirty dirty bears. Let's see what they got here. It's, it's a rough one for him. So you'd added a new coach and GM as well, too, bringing in Eber Flus as well of Indianapolis, bringing in a couple of players from there as well, too. You lost Khalil Mack, the guy you invested so much in a few years ago as well, too, just cap casualties along with Akeem Hicks there. They're clearly in a complete not just rebuild but reflip mode at this point as well, too. Your first pick is a 39 after the Justin Fields trade-up last year. So Kelsey picked number 39 early in the second round, but still a second-round pick nonetheless. Where are we looking Offensive line. <laughs> uh, this one just goes without a question to me uh, because you you have a great quarterback for the first time in your franchise history in Justin Fields, Should like an actual. You don't break him. Exactly, exactly, and that's what it, that, that is the exact point I was going to is you cannot let this man die. Like you cannot let him get get hit and get banged up and get crushed every day. What, you throwing him out there against the Browns in his game one last season was a terrible idea. You literally just started his career by getting unnecessarily hit 34 times. So now you know what you do? You go and protect this man. You'll get Tevin Jenkins back healthy finally. And then also, let's just go ahead and get another offensive lineman while we're here. Again, this one is I, I, potentially Bernard Raymond he falls down here. Maybe you get a guard um, like out of Kentucky or something like that. Maybe uh, Jamari Salyer from Georgia is right here. And, and those both could be fantastic picks at 39. You also have 48, which is still in the second round. So, again, offensive lineman. Uh, sounds perfect right here. Uh, maybe a receiver at 48 as well. I mean, that's a potential because you did lose a few pieces. But, I, I mean, I'm my focus in this draft is getting pieces that will help me protect my long-term investment in Justin Fields. 100%. Couldn't say it any better. I might even consider going receiver first, depending on if somebody slips, and then offensive line right after that as well, too. I think offensive line's more pertinent, but if all the offensive linemen are gone and you're reaching to that point, don't reach. Take George Pickens is sitting there for some reason, for example, yeah. something like that. A guy that we, or something like that's like, well, that guy's definitely a lot better than the seventh offensive lineman, seventh offensive tackle available or something like that. So take the best of those two positions there and then take something else at 48. I think they do need to need to find a way to dip into free agency to fill some of that offensive line out as well, too. So I agree. Just help Justin Fields. Give him a chance in heck. You're not going to be good next year. You're still a year away if even that as well, too. So work your, work your way forward that way. So that'll do it for Absolutely. the Bears. Pretty quick and simple. Help Justin Fields. Give him a shot, and you know what. And I think he yeah. was, he's seen what it's like in Indianapolis where they've rotated quarterbacks in a very quarterback-friendly mm-hmm. system, so I can imagine him trying to build something kind of similar to that as well, too. Kind of like what happened in uh, 
in Philadelphia as well too when they brought in when they brought in the coach from there as well too from Indianapolis as well. So I think they'll do something similar to that. So that'll do it for the Bears. Quick, simple, easy. We not a whole lot of debate to go with that one as well too. So moving on to our next one and are we are we gonna go ahead and jump on the ship here or are we gonna jump with some cheese? We're gonna go to that ship, that US Bank Stadium ship. Uh and, and we'll we'll save Green Bay since they were division winners. We'll we'll save them for last. And they, here, got, but... and they got a bunch of picks on top of it as well too. So taking a look at the Vikings. Biggest loss, Xavier Woods, their biggest addition, Jordan Hicks, and you can make a case for Zadarius Smith coming in there as well, too, as the edge rusher. If he can stay, if him and Daniel Hunter can stay healthy, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's a whole yeah. mess in itself. But not some major losses. You brought in a new coach as well, to an offensive mind. You got to go with Kirk Cousins, who you re-signed. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. They got players, but it hasn't been consistent success as well, too. And you got to imagine the Kirk Cousins seat's getting a little bit warm with a new coach and everything as well, too. So looking at pick number 12, what are we thinking for the Minnesota Vikings? Minnesota, man, I, I'm so confused by Minnesota. You pay you pay Kirk Cousins in in, in this off season as well, so that's a, that's another aspect of it. And I'm like, why did this man just get paid? Um, I feel like I, I'm like you. I feel like the hot seat is is there, but three year con three year extension um, now, and it's like, oh great, what are you doing to Jefferson? Justin Jefferson, I'm sorry, I, Adam Thielen, what are you doing for him? Um, not a whole lot is the answer. Um, but looking at this team. Again, this obviously the additions have been defensively. They've been at linebacker. They've been at edge rusher. I, I again look at the secondary and and I, I maybe look at obviously you have to replace Xavier Woods. When's Harrison Smith going to finally retire? Um, maybe you look at a, a corner. Maybe Kyle Hamilton slips to you here at twelve. It's a possible possibility. I don't again. I don't think he will. I really hope he doesn't. There's a lot of teams that made a mistake if he falls to twelve, but. If he does fall, which he has on a lot of big boards, somehow, some way, you take that man. Otherwise, I look at corner, and maybe you you come here, and and this is if Sauce didn't go in the top ten, this is a Sauce territory right here. Sauce goes right here. If he did go in the top ten, maybe you re- Derek Stingley's still here. If Derek Stingley's gone, then you probably wait you wait on corner until that forty six pick, or you reach for McCreary or Andrew Booth, one of the two. Um, but I do look defensively for this this first pick at 12. 46, I think you just go with best available. Um, if Whatever you didn't fill at 12, you take at 46. Honestly, Kyle, when I've been doing the mock drafts, Kyle Hamilton, this is where I'm going is at pick number 12. I think he's going to slide a little bit in part because safeties are not often drafted that high unless they're like a Jamal Adams coming out or a Derwin James where it's just like, okay, that's clearly one of the best three players, and it's just transcendental almost type feeling as well too. Kyle Hamilton's fantastic, but I think he could slip in. Him and Harrison Smith, well, I bet that's a fantastic player to learn from because I think they have a weirdly similar type of skill set as well. So I think they Both from Notre Dame. Exactly. They have a lot of similarities there as well, too. You brought back Patrick Peterson. You do need some help at corner, so I don't hate Derek Stingley here as well, too. I don't hate anything along those lines. I do think Kyle Hamilton will be a fantastic pick here. I also don't honestly, it seems blasphemous, but I don't hate the idea of taking a receiver here either to go along with Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen is starting to fall apart a little bit. You have an offensive coach. You're... You're going to have to score points. You mentioned as well, too, the defense. It's basically yeah. Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. We need you to stay healthy and kill quarterbacks. Offensively, we need to get buckled. You got Justin Jefferson, a top seven, eight receiver in the game. He's fantastic. KJ Osborne has his moments. Adam Thielen, when he's healthy, is nice, but age starting to fall apart a little bit. Maybe you grab someone like Garrett Wilson. He's like, you know what? This guy is really twitchy. Get him the ball in space because they have to double-team Justin Jefferson. That could be dangerous. And then Dalvin Cook as well, too, out of the backfield. I think – that could be an underratedly dangerous pick to just go get a bunch of points. Yeah, that's what I'm about. Like I'm just sitting here imagining of all the things to happen in the North, the Minnesota Vikings add another receiver. 
like chalk this one up on your big board here because I, I did you have this on your, your your bingo card that the team adding receivers is not Green Bay but Minnesota. I just I just think it'd be something interesting. I think it'd give them another explosive element, and you have an offensive coach from the Rams offensive coordinator coming into town as well too to be the head coach. Yeah. He's the Rams had decent offensive lines, but they were they were made better basically by the scheme and a better as they some of their parts, the misdirection, that type of thing. I think he'll bring a lot of those elements with Dalvin Cook as the zone type runner. And I think they'll find a way to generate big plays in spite of not having an absolute wall in front of Kirk Cousins. So who knows? I mean, Garrett Wilson's a guy you flick him a slant and he might go 90 yards with it really quick, the way he's so shifty and bounces away from tacklers and explodes. So you never know. And you still have Adam Thielen, the route technician, and Justin Jefferson, the I can do literally everything you need from a receiver and some. So there yeah. might be a lot of greeting in the end zone next year if they pull that off. So that'll Oof. be let, – let, let's see. I don't hate that idea the more I talk about it. So speaking of – you mentioned them already. We're going to go to the division of winners. Look at the Green Bay Packers. Two picks in the first round, 22 and 28. Two in the second round, 53 and 59. A plethora of picks because, well, their biggest loss was Devontae Adams, who they traded to the Raiders and got all of their picks. So far, not much for additions, though. They have Jaron Reed, and that's really it. And honestly, we already are both going in the same direction with this, I'm sure. I'll let you go and go first, though. What are they taking with their – what are we looking at with their picks? So, actually, there's there's two things here with this first round of picks. You did lose Lucas Patrick as well, which is a big loss to, uh, to everything. So, you do need to fill, try to fill that offensive line position and, obviously, receiver. Uh, there's no other option there. Um, if, if, again, I keep mentioning Tyler Linderbaum because he is such a fantastic center and yet people still have him going late in the 20s, if he falls here at 22 to Green Bay – you now have your future center. Congratulations. If he doesn't, <laughs> take your pick with the plethora of wide receivers that you have to choose from. It could be Jameis Williams. It, it, it could be Chris Olave here that falls here because he's fallen off a lot of big fives on the top five boards, let alone everything else. So he's potentially here. Drake London potentially could be here. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, I doubt he's still here. Could potentially be here. Um, you just never know what team's desires are at receiver here, but it's going to be a receiver. But one of these picks is going to be a receiver. The other one should be offensive line, plain and simple. I don't think there's any other way around that. 53-59, I've talked about the plethora of edge rushers. Go fill your edge rushers at 53 and 59. You'll be okay there. Like I promise you, you will have some, some pros for five to seven years at 53 and 59. I'm glad you mentioned because if Chris Olave is there at 22, you sprint the card to him, you don't look back. He is unnecessarily falling. If he's for some reason there, you go and take him. But I have a fun draft strategy for them, so hear me out on this one as well, too. They're not going to do this, but this is what I want them to do. At 22, you take Jahan Dotson. I, I love his game, the quick, fast, his ability to work from the slot, get deep. If he's somehow there at 28, double down on receiver and go get Traylon Burks or Christian Watson. Get a big body burner. Traylon Burks you can use... Not as Debo Samuel, but in a very variety type of role as well, too. You're doubling up on the playmakers for Aaron Rodgers that you can do in a variety of different facets as well, too. Then 53 and 59, I think that's where you look to offensive line and edge rusher a little bit because you'll have David Bakhtiari coming back. The offensive line was not very good last year, and they were still able to get done. Aaron Rodgers has seen it all. Quick release, Matt LaFleur, they scheme around it as well, too. Obviously, you want to protect him a little bit more, but I think if you could double down on those receivers and Jahan Dotson, a guy that gets open quick, a guy like Traylon Brooks or Christian Watson, who just are difficult to deal with, especially Christian Watson at 6'4", 210, and running us true 4-3. A guy that he liked throwing it deep to MVS, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling. For better and for worse, he will enjoy throwing bombs to Christian Watson as well, too. So those are a couple areas I like. Offensive line, pass rusher, those sort of things. You could fill in at 53, 59, that sort of thing. Just get somebody opposite Preston Williams. Get 
be like, yeah, Alexander in secondary, we need you to hold up a little bit more long. You probably have to hold up a little bit longer, but there's some they have a really good secondary. So I really like the idea of doubling down on receiver unless you're going to find a way to bring in a veteran. Maybe you trade 22 and 53 and 59 and get Debo Samuel himself. I don't know. Like, I don't know. But like, there's, that, I mean, that, if you can pull that off, I, by all means, do it. Like, and then with 22, you draft a Jahan Dotson or a Chris Olave or whatever's there as well, too. But I think doubling down on receiver could be a really interesting fit. And you'd, be, you'd have so much cap space with those receivers for the next five years with two fifth-year options as well, too. You wouldn't have to pay either one in those $20 million-plus a years if they succeed for a long yeah. period of time. So you'd be able to have two quality receivers for five years without having to pay them. So that will get you through there and Rod- the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career most likely, and then maybe the early part of Jordan Love's, depending on if Jordan Love is still part of the future. We'll see how that plays out. So I, I don't hate the idea of doubling down. Dude. You, you took all this time, and then you decided to just go all in on it. And maybe you sneak in a tight end at like 192, 132, something like that. Like maybe a Charlie Kolar's for some reason still sticking around, something like that, or a Trey McBride for some reason slips. You might be able to get likely there as well from uh, Coastal Carolina. And out this year, there's no Kyle Pitts or even Pat Fryermoose. So maybe you get a pretty decent tight end you could plug in and he could be your new Robert Tanya type of player. So Packard's got a lot of options, but I want to see that. I want to see him double down on a receiver. I just want to see it. I want to see how it plays out Aaron Rodgers with all these kids. That would be really fun. To watch, I, I think. I think. Well, we already know how he reacts to kids. If you guys have not seen the seven on seven video yet, where he gets picked off and the kid hands him back the ball and he chucks it at the back of the kid, hmm. um, so he doesn't like some kids so, so a whole lot defensively, but offensive kids, I think he's a big fan of. Absolutely, as well too. It should be an absolute blast. Loving this journey to the draft curve. Next week we will cover. We'll finish it off with the East as well to the AFC and the NFC East. That should be an absolute blast. There's a lot of picks. Between those divisions as well, too, especially in the first round. Then after that, keep an eye out for our big board with our top 50 players. We'll be releasing that as well, too. And, of course, our final mock draft before the NFL draft as well, too, where we'll be talking about who we would take if we were in each of those teams' positions as well, too. One through 32, we'll go through the whole thing. You've You've kind of alluded to it during this, but you'll get a chance to hear what we would do if we were 32 different GMs as well, too. So a lot of fun coming up. The journey of the draft is just underway, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be a blast. Oh, absolutely cannot wait and by the way guys if you haven't caught on yet every monday night we're a part of this great live casting for the nlfa north louisiana football association uh, here's the logo if you guys have it, football alliance um, we've been calling games for them for a week and a half now so it's been a lot of fun and we will begin on the call on monday dj you'll be teaming up with commissioner cooper uh for the call and i'll be on the i'll be on the broadcast the, the broadcasting but i'll be in the studio hanging out uh checking out from from the studio so me and Andy Sire will be there, so guys, it'll be a lot of fun. But until next week, guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in. See ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.